Welcome to Call Your Girlfriends, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tussauds. And I'm Ann Friedman. So much to catch up on this week on Call Your Girlfriend. We discuss Hillary Clinton's historical nomination, bros getting set up on mandates, moving versus belonging, that incredible period ad uh, with the real blood in it that you all have been sending us. And we answer a listener question about internships. Anne Friedman. I'm coming to you live from a quality inn in rural Missouri. <laughs> Man, that's like the opposite of my life right now. What's what's in rural Missouri? Well, let me tell you, I had a coconut kale smoothie yesterday. Like, well, I mean, there are obviously lots of like different lifestyle things, like living your life in a middle of nowhere kind of place. But the real thing is like deprogramming everything I've gotten used to using the internet for. <laughs> like I had to call a cab company today and I was like, what? That's exciting. I'm like kind of out of the news loop, but yeah, I don't know. Clearly. And you are the opposite of your life. You are like <laughs> in it. <laughs> I am in it. I was working on this like big tech conference for the last couple of months and that happened last week and then I decided to stick around LA for a little bit so I had a couple of days of deprogramming I never spent any considerable amount of time in Venice and that's where I stayed and I'm in love with Venice it was great (laughs) it's like everything I like loved everything about it it's like people would stop by and say hello and uh there was this weird, like, fog just, like, moved in. So it felt like being in San Francisco, which was hilarious. People were not prepared for it. Hung out with some really good friends. West Side LA, very misty. West Side LA is, like, very weird. It's, like, very, very weird. But I really appreciated it. So shout out to Venice and all of the gentrification that's happening over there. <laughs> I mean, it happened past tense, right? Like it's well, like no, way over that hump. No, it's like happening even more though, because all of the big tech campuses are expanding and Santa Monica is like, we are not taking in more people. So it was really interesting looking at like uh, price listings. It's like, I'm, I'm obsessed with the Redfin app right now. And everywhere I go, I just like pull it up and I'm like location, how much does everybody's house cost? And yeah, Venice is like very strange, but yeah, all of my like tech homies live over there. So it's perfect. Oh my God. Okay. So I've been out of the news cycle, but I'm not so out of it that I didn't hear about Hillary. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Oh, you mean that you heard about Hillary in rural Missouri (laughs) also? I'm so so happy you guys got cable news over there. Yeah, no, like big news. That's exciting. Are you excited? I feel like I kind of had thought that this was going to happen anyway. So it was like, I was not as excited as I thought. I was very excited. I watched it with like two of my friends, uh, little kids, a boy and a girl, five and four. And it was really interesting to watch it through their own eyes. You know, it's like one point, like, oh, this is kind of boring. And then all of the questions that they asked about it, which was cool. And I was like, you know, like in your lifetime, the possibilities of things that are achievable by women is so much more vast 
than was true for like for me when I was their age and I thought that was really cool I don't know I thought like her speech was incredible also definitely got some like full body chills and the video that they showed before was like like 100% like feminist not like corporate feminist like oh women and gender studies feminist it was great I'm, I'm so happy that like she is fully in on that historic narrative this time i know there was like a whole thing about like trilly schism in the um in in the video and that got me very emotional like every you know it's like the modern democratic party really owes so much to trilly schism and she doesn't get enough props and so it was really cool to see her elevated to that level i'm mostly just like uh why don't we do this like other countries like two months get in and out of it but the nomination was like very important it's a milestone for sure but like given how many months we have to go it's just like i am dreading i'm just dreading the roller coaster yeah it's uh it's gonna be interesting it has been really interesting watching how people on all sides of the Democratic primary reacted, like just in like a social media observation kind of way. Like the first signs of which friends who were Bernie supporters are like eagerly coming around versus who is sort of reluctantly coming around versus who is upset. (laughs) There's also been like a lot of, and you know, this is totally anecdotal, just me, a lot of people who I would not call closet Hillary supporters by any stretch, but who were like quieter on social media about Hillary, like, like piping up. Yeah, Michelle Goldberg actually wrote a really good thing about this during um, the, I was going to say the Brooklyn primary, the New York primary, but she lives lives in Brooklyn, so it was relevant about how, you know, she really thought that like Hillary was going to lose because all of the most vocal people in Brooklyn were Bernie supporters and you didn't see like, you know, nary a yard sign for Hillary. I felt the same way when I was in LA, honestly, and even here in San Francisco. And it was funny to see like that she carried San Francisco by like such a healthy margin. I was like the only Hillary swag I've seen in my entire neighborhood is my own. So that, you know, and then I went and looked at the the precinct. I was like, this is very interesting. Do you think that some of that is like, by the time we've got to the California primary, like not everyone who supports Bernie, but a good portion of those people are like, this is, I want to like ideologically align myself with Bernie. And it's more important to do that publicly because my vote is like essentially for a candidate who's not going to be nominated. Like, I do think it's more important when you're, when you're running, when you're, when you're supporting a candidate who's probably not going to win. No, my analysis is that like people are cowards and they don't say what they think. And they are, like, very quiet. And to be fair, like, I, you know, like, I understand why, you know, it was not cool or whatever to be perceived as a, as a Hillary fan. Definitely um, among young people, that's true. And it's, like, now that she's clinched the nomination, people are coming out of the woodwork. This definitely happened in the volunteer office that I go to, where all these people just, like, walked in and they're like, okay, we're ready now. And I was like, where were you, like, four weeks ago? <laughs> I mean, I think it's totally acceptable to be ready once someone is the de facto nominee, like once someone has clinched the nomination to decide that you're ready then. Oh, no, I mean, I think that it's fair, but I think that it's interesting that, you know, that for a lot of these people, they're saying like, oh, we've always supported her, but I like didn't feel comfortable like voicing my support for her until right now. Right. And so, you know, like when it is politically and socially safe to I understand that I'm throwing shade, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, like, it's not the end of the world. 
I mean, one reason why I probably noticed the differences in Bernie supporters' public reactions is because I'm super curious about the next couple of weeks and what people who wanted to see him nominated do in terms of whether they stay engaged or not. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see, right? There's already a lot of anger. A lot of women reporters on the campaign trail have been noting that they've been getting like an influx of like angry emails or like threatening phone calls. Because they supposedly didn't cover Bernie fairly? Yes. You know, it's like angry people are going to be angry. And I think that they were looking for something to be angry at for a long time. And also, you know, it's not lost on me that just the amount of vitriol that people throw at women in particular for wanting the same, like, outsized ambitions as men. So I guess we'll see. We'll see where it goes from now, right? Yeah, I'm just so ready for the next phase. I, yeah, I'm, like, I'm over it. It's, like, election 2016. I'm so over it. <laughs> A- AKA not ready for the next phase or, like, uh, just get it over with? <laughs> no, just, like, get it over with. Just get it over with. It's, like, we still have, like, weeks to go to the conventions and then at the convention we're going to choose people and then we're going to have all of this bitter inviting until November. I'm like, this has already been going on for a year. I remember when Bernie and Alsay was running. That was over a year ago. You know, like, that's how long we've been in the, like, day-to-day of this thing. And so it's just really, it's like, ugh. Just get it over already. I know. Who is going to step up to, like, really shorten the length of elections? Like, it's just never going to happen, is it? Bernie should. Bernie really should. I was like, you have complained so much about our electoral system, sir. I agree with you, but, like... You got to show me that you care about this stuff outside of when it's like directly affecting you. Yeah, I mean, I um, being out of town right now, I am very curious to go back to my neighborhood and see if all of like the Bernie signage and stuff is still up. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be up till the convention oh. man, all oh. the way. Uh, my favorite thing though is that like Bernie last night said I like stayed up very late to watch his speech and uh, he, he said he was like the struggle continues and I was like this means such different things to like to different people <laughs> yeah to like an old white man revolutionary than it does to me a hip young sister so uh, <laughs> it's and then I got the email today that was like the struggle continues and I was like yes that's definitely how it feels although I have to say California primary and Bernie in LA made me laugh at a Bernie hillary meme for the first time (laughs) um did you see this one you know i don't like laughing at that meme because it's a low-key sexist (laughs) but i i understand the hyper local this is what i'm saying you know there is something about when you see a meme flying around and it like it hits it just hits so like like geographically close to home that like i couldn't help it um you know some big news out of california though Kamala Harris won her race, which is, like, very exciting. I'm so excited. All of these women I voted for in the primary, like, uh, yes, very exciting. I know. Kamala Harris, like, one step closer to being the, like, next, like, black woman senator. And so that's kind of exciting. Very exciting. Also, just, like, keeping up a really good California track record of electing women to Senate. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I'm like hopefully cautious about that race. Kamala Harris is great. And uh, I hope that she goes, I hope she goes all the way. Yeah. This was like uh, my first time voting in a primary that mattered. 
<laughs> I have to say. It was really cool. Oh, man. That's that's exciting. I know. It's shocking that you can make it through, like, how many years as a voter and only get to that if, you know, <laughs> if, you're, if you're in your 30s. It's like, wow. Like, Okay. Awesome. See you next week. <laughs> Washington, D.C. primary. <laughs> See you next Tuesday. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. See you next Tuesday. That's, like, essentially what Bernie said. It was so funny. <laughs> In huge political personal news, I met Kim Kardashian. Hello. Okay, um, I'm going to need all of the details. Kim is great, and I, like, lost my mind. She was wearing uh, an orange uh, Pablo shirt because it was Gun Violence Awareness Day. I wish that I had remembered that and worn orange. I was wearing a beautiful, like, pink linen suit pat on the back for me. Like, we talk a lot about celebrities on this podcast. Like, we know some of them. It like, But Kim, to me, is, like, next level. And so it took everything I had not to cry and, like, not embarrass everybody else that was there. She was very nice. She, like, clearly, like, listens to the entire internet and knows what's going on. She's beautiful. She, like, talked about Kanye and uh, Nori and Saint. And, yeah, I'm, like... It's like before this, I was a full-fledged Kardashian fan, and now it's like it's kind of it's going to be obnoxious from here on out. Was there a single thing that surprised you about meeting her IRL versus like seeing her everywhere? Um, you know, this is a question that everybody's asked me. I could not believe how like tiny she was. I couldn't believe how tiny she was for the like all of the hullabaloo that like the media makes about her size all of the time. That was very surprising to me. I was like, whoa, you know, it's like, it's like, I I get it, right? It's like all these camera angles or whatever. And they've like turned her into this like curvaceous bombshell, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, she's like a very healthy, like small woman. I don't know. This was not surprising to me, but it was really cool to just hear her be really confident and, uh, you know, really like stand her ground on a lot of things that people push back on her for, like her naked pictures and things like that seeing her also like in business mode was really like that was really fascinating oh man um yeah no kim kardashian for life i'm telling you how much time did you get with her like uh over an hour oh my god stop yeah she was so 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 great she's actually on the recoded podcast with kara swisher this week that uh you can listen to you can listen to some of that and it's really cool but it was really it was just, like, fascinating to hear, like, you know, Kim Kardashian, my side. <laughs> like, this is how this works, because everybody has opinions about her. But I can't tell you. I hate when people say this about, like, famous people that they meet, but it's true. Like, she's so nice. She's so nice, and she's so smart, and she's so pretty, and she's so gracious. It was amazing. So did you ask her to come on CYG? <laughs> 
I mean, <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, I really want her to come on CYG. Kim, if you're listening, you know my heart. Please come on. <laughs> your heart and your number? <laughs> oh, my God. It's for reals. For reals. Uh, so good. Yeah, no. Kim K for, like, I can't even, I can't even tell you. It was very, it was a very beautiful moment for me. Great. What a- I'm glad that now we can say a friend of the podcast, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> really, that was my number one goal out of all of this. So. <laughs> the number one goal is to not be able to discuss any news or political event without prefacing every name with friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, friend of the podcast, Hillary Clinton, friend of the podcast, Kim Kardashian. You know, and hopefully one day friend of the podcast, Bernie Sanders. I mean, we're healing here. <laughs> I know. You know what? Friend of the podcast, Jane Sanders. What's up? I mean, so interested. Okay, which other friends of the podcast are up to the cool stuff? I don't know. I think, um... Oh, I was going to tell you, friend of the podcast, Neil Drumming, who works at This American Life, did this incredible episode this week. Neil is the one, if if you're a regular listener of This American Life, who a couple of weeks ago interviewed, uh, like, his bestie, Tanahasi Coates, also a friend of the podcast. LOL. That interview is so good. It's so interesting. Right. And talked about like, you know, like, what do you do when, you know, like you and your friend are kind of not in the same like <laughs> professional stratosphere anymore. And it was really fascinating to listen to, especially just knowing like what awesome like dudes both of them are. And so on this particular episode, which, oh my God, you like this American life, man, very few duds, but this one is great. Neil sets up, talks about like the difficulty of like making friends especially if you're like an, an older man like older like if you're a man who is in his 30s 40s and uh he sets up like two men on a mandate and it is the most fascinating thing to listen to like i was so nervous for everybody involved it's great okay so i'm curious if there is if this is just something that he because i haven't heard the episode if he's just interested or because i was sort of like i thought this had the new york times trend story moment like years ago and i'm curious if there's some reason why he's doing it again now yeah you know i I, the whole episode was about like the was called the perils of intimacy and it's just about like you know the kinds of relationships that we pursue but he contextualized it in the sense that like he himself, Neil, is not great at um, following up and making friends. Like, he's kind of already made all the friends that he needed to. And now it's like, if you're in a new town and you need new friends, like, how does that work? So I think that that was, that was more the context of it. And these two men had both just, like, recently moved to Austin and were both, like, looking for friends, you know? But it's like, they're married, there's kids, there's, like, do we like the same comic books? Like, how does that work? And it was, yeah, it's like, it was very interesting. Well, it's interesting because, like, you know, I, I was I was thinking about this because I I downloaded that app that's supposed to be for women to make women friends, and I was just curious about like you mean Twitter? There's an app. Stop! It's called Hey Vina. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've heard, I've heard of this. Tell me. Does well, it I was you made new friends. Listen, I was more just curious about how it was set up because my point of view about friendships and and you know and to a certain extent like this is the same as with dating but like even if you like the same stuff that does not guarantee that you're going to get along as friends there's some kind of like x factor 
alchemy thing <laughs> that has to do with like sense of humor and like what's your speed together and then you know the app the app will ask questions about like what time of day you like to hang out or like what kind of stuff you're interested in doing like are you an outdoor or an indoor kid <laughs> which like fair fair enough like those all seem like kind of relevant but like I don't know that I could even answer those questions for people who are my close friends. It seems difficult to try to distill it into like a set of check boxes like that. But one thing I do think is, is a really good tell over of whether you can establish a, a new friendship with someone is where you're at socially and like in your life right now. So like two people who are both new in town and don't know anyone, that seems to me like a good match because they're both like looking to invest in new people. Whereas a lot of times like, you know, if you meet someone when you're at like a really busy or like kind of feeling full point in your life, it's like you're just not going to be able to make the room that they're going to be able to make. I think that this is true, especially when you move into your 30s, right? And I really felt this with the the bros on the show is, you know, it's like you have a wife, you have kids and your life is like very set. It's just like logistically, there's not a lot of time for you to make for new people, and, you know, like without taking away from other parts of your life. And I think that that's also part of the challenge, right? Because this happens to me. It's like, I'll meet people and I'm just like, I don't know. These people are about to get married or they're, or they have kids and that, you know, it's like the schedule incompatibility is real. It's not every day that you're like willing to just like compromise. Like both people are like willing to compromise their like schedules, the, the fullness of your life to let somebody else in. And also, like, people just make friends different ways, you know? Like, for, like some people are, like, very content with just, you know, like, hanging out every once in a while and, like, prolong, like, text messages. And some people, like, need activities. And, and that's all stuff that you figure out together. And it's really tough. One thing I thought that they did that was, like, brave was going, uh, Neil set them up on a movie date, which, like... I personally don't think that a movie is the way that you get to know someone because it's like you're spending all this time together, but you're not talking. Oh man, I'm totally outing myself. It's like, unless you're a very good friend, if I don't particularly like want to spend quality time with you, like movies is what I'm suggesting. So do they like hang out after the movie too? Yeah, they hang out after the movie too. Because I think that for some people that that's actually a really good suggestion because you have a thing to talk about. Like if there's nothing else in common, you can talk about the movie. And I think that's why people I know, but it's risky. What if you hate the movie and then that's a value judgment on like, you know, who picked the movie. But you know, again, it's But pretty low stakes. Like, I mean, how many people who are like great compatible friends with you do you disagree on with movies? It's not low stakes (laughs) when a radio when a podcast sets you up to be friends and then you're supposed to follow up the movie date in general as a low stakes thing i think is real totally low stakes but i'm like you know what those two hours you could spend talking about other stuff and getting to know each other it's true there obviously is the stereotype that like men are worse at that than women but i think like some men are actually pretty decent at it and some women are pretty terrible at it in terms of just like being proactive about making new friends when you're at a place where you want or need them yeah i don't i don't have for real concrete numbers on this so i'm not gonna speak with authority um but i do think that it's fair to say that like you know women generally like tend and befriend that's how we get through but yeah you should you should listen to it i'm curious i'm curious to hear what you think i just 
Also, I think on another level, I just really appreciate like men getting vulnerable. I'm like the bar is so low, but this was like very delightful. Oh my god, yeah! Any kind of male support, like platonic male support for each other, I'm all about. <laughs> yeah. Also, you should listen to this episode of This American Life in general because the opening story, Act One, so <laughs> insane, and it's about this woman who like is dating someone who's like basically robbing her. And she just, like, still... She's like, maybe he'll change. Like, it's so crazy. Robbing it's her? It's so <laughs> insane. I, I kind of, like, spoilered it for you, but it doesn't matter. It's like, she's dating this guy, and then all of her money is missing all the time. And she's like, where where could the money be? There's only two of us in this apartment. And, like, but legit, like, somebody, like, stole her identity. It's like, stole her identity. is like, cashing in her checks. Like, that kind of stuff. And then even when she finds out that it's him, she still kind of sticks around. Mm. I mean, that, there's another that reminds me of another. I think it's also This American Life, the interview with the scammer, the sweetheart scammer, who like long distance yeah. swindles women. And like the, the interviewer is asking like what effect running the scam has had on the guy's like personal life. And he's basically like, it made me a lot better, like boyfriend, partner, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it this American life or some other podcast thing? But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. It's like very, yeah. The perils of intimacy. Just listen to it. It's insane. Okay. I mean, intimacy is insane. <laughs> yeah. Into, like, I don't know why we trust each other or like become friends or like date. It's, crazy it's like just everybody just be your own island oh my god worst advice (laughs) worst advice but you know what best advice (laughs) (laughs) worst advice a new segment on this podcast oh my god worst advice best advice uh soul (laughs) and what happens when they're the same thing (laughs) oh my god they are the same thing guard your heart Lots of people have tweeted at us that there is finally a menstruation-related ad or a, like, like period products ad that features actual human blood. <laughs> it's really good. I like it. It's, like, very badass. It's very intense. Yeah, like, periods. I know. And I don't have too much more to say about it, except that, like, I was ready for it, and it's here. <laughs> I know, it's great. But it always makes me laugh that, like, good period ads, I'm making, like, the biggest air quotes, are always, like, contextualized in the, like, in sports, you know? And I'm just like, where is the period ad of someone that's just, like, lying there, like, bleeding furiously? Or the woman who's in a meeting and manages not to make a face after she passes a clot. (laughs) Exactly, right? Like, you don't have to be, like, playing rugby and having your period to be, like, the most badass woman in the room. It's like, please, the fact that we even get out of bed with this conundrum is just, like, baffling to me. It's true. But, yeah. So, like, you know, that's my one observation about it. But the ad is really cool. I liked it a lot. It's sort of, like, Game of (laughs) Thronesy. 
Yeah, you know, I also didn't know. I like went down this rabbit hole of period ads that like period ads didn't even say the word period until that 1985 uh, Courtney Cox Tampax ad. That's the first time that they say the word period. I don't period. know if I'm familiar with that ad. What? So you change your life for one week because of that time of the month? Still using pads? Then let me tell it to you straight. Tampax can change the way you feel about that time. Tampax tampons protect differently than a pad, so you feel cleaner. And feeling cleaner is more comfortable. Plus, more women use Tampax than any other tampon or pad. Now that's something. Remember, there's a feeling with Tampax. It can actually change the way you feel about your period. But that was like the first time that they were like, period. I'd like that hadn't even occurred to me. <laughs> like that's the name for the thing that's happening that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's, that's the name for the thing. It's like, ban- it's like banish them until their periods. Are- and before that, it was just like your time of the month. Which is such a funny turn of phrase, actually, now that I say it out loud. It's like, if there's any time of the month that's my time of the month, it's not when I'm menstruating. It's definitely not these days. (laughs) Let me tell you about it. (laughs) So crazy. That's so funny. Okay, what else is going on? Um, I have more Harvard Business Review articles from multiple years ago. I'm so happy for you. This is great. <laughs> Listen, I have to say, you know, it's one of those things where I go looking for something else and then find something and it's three years old, but I'm finding it at the right time for me. <laughs> and Listen, I, you know, I love HBR. Also the HBR idea cast, like listen to it. It's great. And there's some like rad ladies that work there. Yeah. I mean, friends of the podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> But yeah, this one is about like essentially people who move around a lot in their adult lives. And so they don't really feel connected to the place where they're from as home in the same way anymore, but also are clearly it's difficult to consider a place where you've only lived for a few years or where you might be temporary as home in the same way too. It doesn't really draw lots of deep conclusions, just kind of explores that question a little bit. And it's something that, I don't know, it's something that I've been thinking about. And like you're a woman who's moved around a lot does that like do you have any do you struggle with that I mean I think I'm over that struggle (laughs) I just there's nowhere that I consider a home right it's like I've lived in multiple cities in multiple countries um my whole life the one thing I think if I remember this article right this is the one where it's like the woman that's from Europe right and she's like I believe it's a dude but anyway yeah yeah, or like the everybody is a woman. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's Italian. Perfect. Or Swiss. That's the one thing that I related to in this article. It's like, if you ask me where I'm from, depending on how much time I want to spend with you, I will give you one version of things, you know? Right. And then, yeah, and then there's an interesting... And then you expand, you expand, you expand the circle out that way. But yeah, there. I mean, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people who live like this, and most of them are international. I was very shocked when I went to college, and granted, I went to a state school, but still that people were like living close to home or that they had like never left their state or that like, that's something to me that will always like be very American, like people who just like don't go places. And then it's interesting to see it now in the context of like very real trends, like the economy cratering like when I graduated college or, you know, like what, like what it's meant in general for, for the economy that like Americans are not mobile people. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I appreciate about this article is it acknowledges that a life of moving around is usually associated with pretty extreme economic privilege. Like if you have lived in only one place your whole life, the odds are pretty good that your family didn't have a lot of money to move, especially if it's a place without great jobs. 
I, you know, I mean, I think that that's true in like some Western contexts. It's not true for African people. It, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess I was speaking more to like people you would have met at college, for example. Yeah, no, fair. Yeah, enough. and and you know, and again, not totally. I mean, like one of the other things that this article points out is that for a lot of people, moving around and living different places is a value, like that not everybody shares. And I think that's kind of true. Like that's certainly true of like me and a lot of people that I know that there is. No, there wasn't just like an imperative to leave the place where you grew up for like economic reasons or for stuff related to your career, but like the sense of like wanting to experience living somewhere else. Yeah, no, I, for, you know, honestly, like huge, that's a huge value for me. And like for people who are close to me, just having this, like, um, you know, I, the like physical and emotional presence to do that is is really really important yeah anyway so i don't know i just like and it is true that like there are different versions of how do you just answer the where are you from question it's there should be a name i mean i I definitely know enough people in my life who were like raised as military kids or something like that or like you know maybe they just moved around for some other reason where like when you say like where'd you grow up they're like you know that's typically what they say it's just like oh lots of places but i feel like there should be a term for like that life experience of just like there is not a place that is home yeah it's called it's called third culture kids tck's third culture kids applies to like let's say i'm a u.s military kid who's lived all around america but never abroad well most military kids will live abroad at some point really that's not true well anyway so i was always under the impression that the term third culture kids referred to like an international experience whereas i do know a lot of people who lived a lot of places in america but never internationally that this applies to that's fair yeah Do you want to take a listener question? Sure. Great. Hit me. <laughs> um, I have a question for you two that I honestly am not sure if you've talked about or not. Wouldn't be surprised if you already have, but what ifs? Uh, <laughs> I was wondering if you have any strong opinions about internships. Ugh. I understand that their purpose is to give young professionals experience in the field. But right now I'm two years out from graduating from college And really, I still don't know what I want to end up doing ultimately, but I love the company I work for. The problem at this point, I'll admit what I think is kind of shameful fact that I'm finishing my third six month paid internship with this company and there doesn't seem to be any interest on keeping me on and no help from anyone who I've networked with to get me to stay in some kind of permanent capacity. Hearing over and over how much they'd love to keep me on and from coworkers that they want me to stay, but every six months not being sure if I have a job or not is becoming infuriating. It's looking like I'm going to have to search for opportunities outside of the company, but it's so heartbreaking to realize that I've worked so hard for a cumulative year and a half and there's no support from anyone who I felt like got along really well with me and appreciated my work. It kind of feels like a really bad relationship that I have with my workplace and it's probably not a great situation to be in either way. This might be a really long-winded question that maybe is a very specific problem, but just wondering maybe what your general thoughts about internships are and how you would recommend handling trying to start your career from there. 
I feel like I've done everything that people told you to do. I worked hard. I networked. I talked to people. I was nice, etc. But I feel like I'm going to walk away from this wishing I had done more. But I don't really know what more I could have done. Okay. I'm trying to like understand this because she's still in college, right? I'm two years out from graduating college. So she's a sophomore. Yes. Unless she means I graduated two years ago. I'm two. Oh, you're right. I'm two years out from graduating college. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. I was understanding this wrong. You're right. Yeah. Um, I, she doesn't say whether she's applying for other jobs. Um, well, she's saying that like now she's going to start looking for opportunities outside of the company. Cause I think that her goal was from this email, if I'm reading it correctly, was that like she would intern there a bunch and then they would like transition her into a full-time position. Right. And instead they're exploiting her underpaid labor. Yeah. It's like, cause she says that, yeah, she says that her internship is paid, which the hallelujah, so few internships are paid, which should be illegal. And I think kind of is now, right? Yes. I mean, depending on the, whatever, how the, the particular details, but like frequently, yes, not legal to have unpaid interns. Yeah. Not cool. I mean, I have strong opinions about internships. I think that, one, they should be paid. I think that they should also, like, teach you a real skill. I really hate the, like, gopher-type internships where they don't, like, you know, you're just there essentially to, like, fetch coffee. That stuff infuriates me so much. And I do think that it should either lay a path for permanent employment or be very clear about um, the fact that that's not going to happen. Right, and the fact that this is, like, a sort of the worst of all worlds, which is the appearance of a path where they don't seem to intend to follow through on it is pretty upsetting. Yeah. You know, like I'm really sorry to this lady. It it really sucks. It's like, you're working hard. You're networking. You're doing all the things that you need to be doing. But I will also say this. Very few people your age are still at that first company that they started at, or even like work in the field that they like, you know, they thought they were going to be working in. So not to be like this person, <laughs> you know, but I, I do think that there is something about not putting all of your eggs in your first job basket for sure. Well, and then also statistically, like the way you end up making more money and you get title boosts as you move from job to job. So like, let's say you did want to stay there. I mean, putting in years at a place really early in your career, like in this day and age does not work in your favor yeah also listen a year and a half of interning like that does not help anyone it's like that place is definitely exploiting you you know what I mean? and look and I, I think it's one of those things too where like i mean the answer is definitely be looking for and applying to jobs that pay you and treat you like a full employee um and if you get a job offer from somewhere else you can go back to this place if you really believe it's the best place for you and say hey, I have a full-time employment offer somewhere else. I have to take it because I'm not a fool unless you can offer me something comparable. Totally. It's like, it's really hard to negotiate where you don't have any kind of leverage. Right. You need to get yourself a lever and push it. Yeah, you need leverage and you need perspective, right? Because it's it's just, it's like I, com- I completely understand the heartbreak of it, you know, when you just like pour yourself into a place. But I think that there's also things to remember, right? Like, the only the number one way that your job shows you how much they care about you doesn't matter what they say is by how much they pay you and how they like promote you and they further your career. And if this place is not doing that for you, everything else is lip service. Totally. It's like, you know, she, she even says it, it's starting to feel like a bad relationship and it's sort of textbook bad relationship, right? Which is like, I say the right things and then with my behavior, I actually undermine you. 
Exactly. So, you know, it's like, I get it. The job market is like really hard. It like, you know, even just like getting a paid internship, honestly, can feel like clawing your way out of just like that other situation that you were in. But I think that it's like worth just like looking out and like getting a little bit of perspective on what you, you know, like eventually like what you want to do with your life, you know? And I don't think that like none of us have that answer. That's like, what am I, what am I going to do when I grow up? But, you know, I'm also no fool and I'm not going to work a year and a half for somebody who like doesn't treat me right. Yeah. And also like you probably got some good information from that year and a half of like, okay, if I stay in this field, this is the type of stuff that I think I would be good at either because you've tried it as an intern or because you've been able to observe your coworkers doing it. Like, and if they really do care about you the way they say they do, people at this job will be references for you. Like that's the least you can do for someone whose labor you've exploited for a year and a half. (laughs) No, totally. It's like, be a good reference for them Mm -hmm. and just expand your horizons. So good luck, listener. Let us know how it goes. We want you paid. (laughs) I know. Get paid. Get paid. You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download us anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on iTunes, where we'd love it if you left us a review. You can tweet at us at callyrgf or even email us callyrgf at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. You can look that link up yourself or on Instagram at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. This podcast is produced by Gina Delvac. I'm going to go rewatch the season premiere of Unreal because it was crazy. And uh, I hope you have a great day in Missouri. Oh my God. I will, and I will see you on the internet. (laughs) I will see you on the internet. Bye, lady. Bye.